Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Friday, February 21st, and this is your FT News Briefing. EU leaders are coming to terms with the financial fallout for the bloc after Brexit. Donald Trump's longtime confidant, Roger Stone, has been sentenced following nearly two weeks of controversy over how the U.S. Justice Department handled the case. And the luxury industry is facing its biggest threat since the global financial crisis. I'm Amy Keene, and here's the news you need to start your day. The prospect of EU leaders agreeing on a budget this week looked dim last night. That was according to one official involved in the talks over the bloc's seven-year funding deal. While these budget talks are usually fraught, it is especially the case this time around now that the UK has left the EU. The remaining member states are dealing with a funding gap of anywhere between 60 billion and 75 billion euro. It's left the EU struggling to find a way to finance ambitious policies to fight climate change, aid poorer regions, and subsidize farmers. The richer EU nations, including Germany and other northern European states, they've been asked to assume a bigger burden in the proposed budget. But they've rebelled against these proposals, both to boost their contributions and to phase out rebates granted by Brussels. European Council President Charles Michel spent much of last night in one-on-one talks with leaders in an attempt to break the impasse. Summit talks will continue in Brussels today. The veteran Republican political operative Roger Stone has been sentenced to 40 months in prison. He was convicted last year of lying to Congress, obstruction and witness tampering to protect Donald Trump, all to do with his contacts with WikiLeaks and a trove of documents stolen from the Democratic National Committee during the 2016 campaign. So the Stone case has been at the center of a controversy that's been raging in Washington for almost two weeks. That's enforcement correspondent Kadim Schuber, who has more from Washington. The career prosecutors who secured Roger Stone's conviction at trial last year, they had recommended that he serve up to nine years in prison. Last week, after they filed that recommendation, Donald Trump tweeted about it, calling it a miscarriage of justice. And then the Justice Department reversed course, raising all sorts of questions about whether political influence was affecting the decisions that senior DOJ leadership were making in a case involving a longtime ally, friend, and confidant of the president. The sentencing hearing on Thursday was really an opportunity for Judge Amy Berman Jackson to address the controversy that's been raging outside her courtroom head on. You know, Donald Trump spends a great deal of his time and has spent a, a great deal of his time over the past few years criticizing prosecutors, criticizing prosecutors in the Russia investigation. And Judge Jackson, without naming Trump directly and without naming his allies directly, tried to push back on that very hard. And when she talked about what Stone had done, she said he hadn't you know, refused to turn over documents to, quote, some secret anti-Trump cabal. But she said he had refused to give documents to Congress to elected representatives of both parties. And she noted that, you know, when Roger Stone lied to the House of Representatives Intelligence Committee in 2017, it was controlled by Republicans. And the chairman of that committee was Devin Nunes, who is a staunch ally of the president. So she really tried to push back on the characterizations that we've seen over the past few years that various institutions or investigations or prosecutors 
are wholly partisan. And she was trying to say, no, they're not. Everyone is not bringing cases just to get back at the president. And China has become a key market for the global luxury and fashion industry. In fact, Chinese consumers accounted for roughly two-fifths of the 281 billion euros spent on luxury goods globally last year. That's according to investment bank Jefferies. But the industry is now facing its biggest threat since the 2008 financial crisis, the outbreak of the coronavirus. As fashion houses unveil their latest designs on the runways of London and Milan this month, as many as a thousand Chinese fashion buyers have stayed home. Gucci live-streamed its catwalk show for its latest women's collection using Weibo, which is one of China's biggest social media platforms. And five Chinese designers have already canceled shows scheduled for Paris next week. This crisis for the industry comes as shares in luxury companies trade near all-time highs, though one industry analyst told the FT that luxury sales in the first quarter of this year could be heavily impacted. And here's a story you should know more about. Football is the world's most popular sport, and it's also one of the most active sectors when it comes to deal-making. Wealthy Arab states have been splashing out on the sport as part of their effort to diversify from their oil-dependent assets. But that money has caught the attention of one of football's main governing bodies. The FT's Arash Masoudi spoke to sports correspondent Murad Ahmed about the effect of oil money flowing into football, starting with two notable deals. Well, the two that are the splashiest and have made news are Abu Dhabi's ownership of Manchester City in the English Premier League, as well as the state of Qatar and its ownership of Paris Saint-Germain in Ligue 1. And both of those are particularly interesting because since their acquisitions, hundreds of millions of pounds and euros have been pumped into the clubs, primarily to acquire some of the world's best players and have pushed them towards the top of European football. And have these investments been welcomed by local fans? Local fans love it, at least at first, because what fans want more than anything is winning teams. And what Sheikh Mansour, in the case of Manchester City, and Qatar and PSG have done, have taken relatively poorly performing teams and made them into world beaters. Manchester City and PSG have been under investigation by football's governing body, or at least one of them, UEFA, over alleged breaches of financial fair play rules, which are designed to prevent unsustainable spending on players. What prompted these investigations and where do they stand now? Well, in around 2011, UEFA, European football's governing body, instituted these rules, basically saying that you have to spend within your means on players. So in the case of Paris Saint-Germain, they broke the world transfer record to buy the Brazilian superstar Neymar around three years ago for 222 million euros, more than 100 million euros more than had ever been spent on a player before. It showed the kind of the financial strength of the club. But a lot of people felt at the time that that was going to break the spending limits imposed by UEFA. There's a feeling that this is an ultra-political issue because why would UEFA want to kick out one of the best teams from their money-spinning tournament, the Champions League? Manchester City was a slightly different case in that there was something called Football Leaks, which was a load of news websites around Europe getting hold of essentially hacked documents into football. And one of them seems to suggest that Manchester City had employed lots of 
clever ways to work around the financial fair play rules in ways that were deliberately designed to break the rules. But the backlash became clear when UEFA banned Manchester City from the Champions League for two seasons, which is a completely unprecedented punishment given the size of Manchester City, you know, one of the teams that could actually win this competition. And there's been a kind of a furious response from the club. They think that UEFA is not an impartial body and they're going to appeal it to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And there's this huge legal battle coming up now. But depending on how City want to fight this case, they could argue that financial fair play, this effort to try and get clubs to spend within their means, should fall, that it's anti-competitive and shouldn't exist. And if that happens, what we're talking about is a landmark case in football. It would be an argument as to whether we stick with the status quo and UEFA has authority, or we abandon all of that and Gulf investors in clubs can spend what they want and alter the European football and financial elite. So we're all watching how that case plays out because it will completely transform football in the coming years. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Mark Filipino and me, Amy Keene. Our editor is Amelia Mahasik. We also had help this week from Persis Love and Fiona Simon. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.